Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today, because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... What? Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. Hey everyone, this is Gary D'Amato, sports columnist with the Journal Sentinel, JS Online. And uh, with me today is Matt Velasquez, beat, write, beat writer for the, on our Milwaukee Bucks. Um, Matt's getting ready to head for playoff game number one in Boston, hopping on a flight uh, in a little bit here. So um, I think we should dive right into it, Matt, and, and talk about the playoffs. Um, I wrote a column um, saying that basically... We don't know what Bucks team is going to show up, but I also think this is a very this is a winnable playoff series. It, you know, it's uh, better than them facing the one, two, or four seed, in my opinion, or one, one, three, and four seed. So, um, where do you see them right now heading into this postseason? The first uh, with a chance to win their first playoff se- series in 17 years, Matt. You know, I uh, I think that you're, you're dead on with, with with what you wrote in your column. I mean. Uh, trusting the Bucks has been difficult all season, um, but the playoffs uh, are kind of are, are different, um, especially when you're going against a team uh, like the Celtics that has the injury issues that they have. Obviously, Gordon Hayward, you know, didn't figure into this season at all, considering he got hurt five minutes into it. Uh, Kyrie Irving is out. Marcus Smart won't be back until Game Seven, probably at the earliest. Um, and so, you know, the Bucks are in a position where, you know, they're, they're facing. Uh, a Celtics team where at full strength, I, I don't think many people would be picking uh, the Bucks. You know, even just having Irving back, I don't know if many people would be picking the Bucks. Um, but with Irving out and with with things as they are, um, you know, this is basically a coin flip. I know I've seen a few different uh, Vegas lines for it, and the the Celtics are favored, but only slightly. Um, and so it, it's about as tight as a as a playoff series is going to come. Um, so I, I think you're right. It's, it's it's very winnable, and it's going to come down to um, you know execution and, and consistency, which throughout the season have been issues for the Bucks. I, I see personally. I see it going six games, maybe seven, um, and could go either way. Is that kind of how you're seeing it too? Yeah. So today, um, you know, you'll see it on JS Online if you if you hear this podcast today on Saturday, or you'll see, you'll see it online on Sunday in the Sunday paper as well. I did a little breakdown of uh, of the series, you know, looking at, you know, offense, defense, coaching starters and, and the bench and kind of giving uh, which team I thought had the advantage in each area. And, and then at the end, uh, I gave my pick and, and in there I kind of explained that, you know, I had this series, like, it's a coin flip. Anything can happen, you know. Yeah, I, I kind of laid out the the kind of pros for each side, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I think that you know with the the front end talent that the Bucks have, usually you know you try and look at you know which team has you know the best player and which team has the best starters um, or or the best you know five man unit that that you know you think can be uh, most potent, uh, especially at crunch time. And and you kind of see how those how the chips fall with those guys on the court with your best players, and I think the Bucks, you know, with Irving out, have that talent. Um, but I I think it'll it'll be a long series. I'm not expecting this to be done in four or five. Uh, and my prediction, you know, officially uh, was Bucks in seven. 
um, which which obviously would would require them to win Game Seven in Boston um, with their backs against the wall. But you know, as we've seen at a couple different points this season, the Bucks have been okay against good teams with their backs against the wall. Um, not all the time, for sure. But when they've had losing streaks and they've needed to end them, um, they've been able to to pivot and, and then find ways to to get the job done. Um, I mean, they've never had a winning streak longer than four games, a losing streak longer than four games. They've been kind of dead even or close to it for most of the season. And, you know, when you're in the playoffs and you are able to play Giannis Adetokounmpo for 42, 43 or more minutes each game, uh, and you're able to lean on your on your front-line guys, uh, I, I think the Bucks have, have the advantage w- with those players, that top-end talent, and, and that could be enough to, to kind of lead them to the next round. Yeah, I wrote a line something like uh, the Bucks have had a maddening tendency at this season to play <clears throat> with their backs as if their backs were against a beach hammock instead of against a wall. Which, um, but as you as you say, this is a different animal entirely. The postseason, the playoffs. I just I just don't see them, you know, having five and six and seven minute lapses where they're just kind of wandering around the court aimlessly. So you'd, you'd like to think they're going to be dialed in. As, you know, as good as they have been at any point this season. And, but the point is, but the, I guess the question is, can they do that for 48 minutes for, you know, at least four games and probably six or seven? Um, definitely more than four games, I think. Um, that's the big question. And, uh, and we're going to see it answered, uh, very quickly here. Well, I, I want to talk about Eric Blev. So for just one minute, um, Matt, you wrote a really nice piece on him back in the playoffs for the first time since 2013 and starting this time instead of coming off the bench. Um, I think it's interesting that uh, I think he was asked a question along the lines of yesterday um, after practice if he was looking forward to <clears throat> sort of making a name for himself or proving something, and he just kind of smiled and said, "We'll see." And uh, I take that to mean he is really ready for for the playoffs and to uh, to shine on this stage. What do you think about his readiness and how he's played lately? Yeah, I, I think you're. He's definitely ready. I think you, know, you just look at the. Uh, the way he's played over the course of his time with the Bucks, you know, he comes in, they immediately have a four-game win streak, but then they start to, you know, kind of fall back to even a little bit as they uh, have to work out how to play together and how to um, how to fit in together and, and exactly what their chemistry is going to be. And they have issues where, you know, it's very obvious, and it's happened not just at the beginning of Bledsoe's time in Milwaukee, but you know, over the course of, of the past few months where, you know, Bledsoe and Chris Middleton and Giannis, they'll ostensibly be taking turns on offense as to who's going to play iso ball and who's going to dominate and, and who's going to try and force the issue. And, and that's not the best move for the Bucks. I mean, the Bucks need to be moving the ball, taking advantage of double teams and mismatches, and, and, and just swinging around and getting the best open shots they can. I mean, that's, that's, you know, the way that you play the most efficient, effective offense. Uh, and you know, Bledsoe had an interesting comment where he said that when he first got to Milwaukee, you know, he was trying not to step on any anybody's toes. He didn't want to make any any issues, make any big waves. He wanted to, you know, be sure that he was doing what he was supposed to be doing and fitting in, um, and, and while well, uh, still affecting the team. But you know, he he was kind of still filling things out. Um, but then he also kind of realized, hey, like they traded for me for a reason. They want me to be me. They want me to do what I do and, and, and trust me to make those decisions. And over uh, the past 25 games since the All Star break, he's been he's been great. Um, yeah. you, you look at his his numbers are 
essentially up across the board. Uh, one of the numbers that is down is his usage percentage. It went down about 2% or so, 2 or 3%. And so he's, he's using the ball less, um, but he's mu- much more efficient with his shots. He's, his assists are up, his scoring's up, his steals are up. Uh, his rebounds are up. Everything he's doing has gotten better, and he's been more patient. He's been knocking down his open shots. Uh, he knows which shots, you know, basically these catch and shoots that uh, that he can just hoist from a, a, a basically extended around the, around the arc, around the elbow, or, or some players call it the slot. Um, you know, he can he can make those shots in rhythm. Um, he's not forcing them. He has uh, you know been effective at driving the lane. And, and finishing, drawing fouls, and kicking out. Um, and then you, you watch him the fourth quarter of, of multiple recent games, and he's been he's been great at clutch time. You know, he the ball has been in his hands, and he's distributed it well. He's scored well. Uh, obviously, the 39 point game he had against the Lakers, including a 9-0 run in overtime by himself uh, to start that extra period. Um, you know that uh, that definitely stands out among his. Uh, you know his his great games of the season, um, and so uh, everything he's done has been building towards this point of getting back to the playoffs. And uh, because, as you mentioned, you know he he's been out since 2013. He spent four years in Phoenix, and that that first year he was in Phoenix, uh, they had 48 wins. That was a, a great up and coming, unexpected, um, successful team. Uh, but as the way the the West shook, shook out that year, they were one game short of the playoffs. And so he didn't go to the playoffs. And then after that, you know, the Suns started trading off some pieces. They they changed coaches uh, over the next couple of years. They had changes in their front office. Um, they fully embraced uh, a, a, a tanking mentality, or you know, the team would term it a, a rebuilding mentality. Um, you know, but they they embraced that. They went young, and now suddenly Bledsoe's there, and he's kind of stuck. Uh, you know, with this team that's not going anywhere soon. Uh, and then last year he had. Arguably his best season, his best full season, uh, and then with a month left, they shut him down, uh, and they called it left knee soreness, and and he didn't want to be shut down. He wanted to keep playing, um, but that wasn't going to help them because you know what they needed at that point, since they were already out of the playoffs, was uh, more losses. They didn't they didn't need guys to go out there and <laughs> and be competitive. They needed they needed to lose more and get a dra- better draft pick to bring in better players to put around Devin Booker. Uh, and so that's ultimately, as we all know, that's eventually what led him to Milwaukee, and and now he's he's a, a trusted, you know, effective, efficient member of the Bucks. And if he can, uh, and obviously his uh, you know two steals a game average um, at, at the front of the defense helps set the tone. Uh, the Bucks count on him for that, um, and, and you know they're definitely going to be riding with him uh, at crunch time, you know, along with Giannis. Uh, and to some extent, Chris Milton, Jabari Parker, um, and, and he's he's got a big role. Uh, and so this is the dream. He, he, he told us uh, yesterday at practice that you know, in the in past years, he'd be one of those guys at home around this time, you know, playing on a vacation with his wife and kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this year, you know, that vacation has absolutely no place in his thoughts. You know, he, he's competing for everything he wanted to. You know, he, he believes his team can compete in the playoffs and and advance. And so, you know, we'll have to see if if uh, if he's the missing piece. And, and interestingly enough, you know, I talked to uh, General Manager John Horst yesterday because the Bucks lost their tiebreaker with Miami Heat, which meant they actually kept the rights to their first round pick. 
Yeah, that's 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 weird. It, just, it doesn't sound like they should keep it if they lose the tiebreaker, but it worked out well for them. It worked out perfectly. The pick was uh, protected for picks eleven through six, or uh, would go to Phoenix if it fell between eleven and sixteen, and protected seventeen to thirty. And because they lost the tiebreaker, the Heat got sixteen, the Bucks got seventeen. They keep the pick, uh, but Horse, you know, he mentioned that you know. They knew that the cost of, of doing business uh, to get Eric Bledsoe involved giving up a first-round pick. At some point, their first-round pick will go to Phoenix. You know, yeah. And even knowing that, they're still extremely happy with the way the trade uh, worked out. They believe that Bledsoe has been everything they wanted him to be. He's a, a key contributor. Um, and, and he's been... Um, is only getting better as the season's gone on, heading into the playoffs, um, and so they're 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 happy with that. But they're also happy to have that asset for another year uh, before they you know would have to possibly give it up next year or the year after, depending on all the protections that are on it. So um, the, the team's definitely confident in, uh, in in Bledsoe, you know, from the front office to the coaching staff to the players. Uh, multiple guys have voiced um, a lot of faith in him. Uh, over you know the past few weeks, you know basically since he got there, really, but especially so over the past few weeks, and, and especially considering you know that his counterpart on Boston, Kyrie Irving, considering he's not going to be part of this series, um, that kind of puts Bledsoe in a position where you know he could have the he could and should have the advantage over Terry Rozier, um, and, and we'll have to see how much he could take advantage of that, and and how much of a boon that could be for the Bucks, especially at that position. So. So Delhi and Brogdon go down a while back, and and the Bucks have to sign Brandon Jennings to a couple ten days, and then they sign him for the rest of the season um, to back up Bledsoe. So now Delhi and Brogdon are back. They're guard. They've gone from being sort of guard poor, at least backup guard poor for a while, to uh, suddenly being guard rich. Um, how do you see the rotation working in the playoffs? Who's going to get minutes? Uh, does it depend on matchups? Does it depend on hot hand? Does it depend on chemistry? Guys playing together? How do you, how do you see that sorting itself out in the playoffs? You know, I think obviously we know Giannis is going to get forty some odd minutes every game. You know, that, yeah. that's locked in, and and right. the f- and the fact that he's going to get that many minutes while you also want to get Jabari Parker in the game, you know, that could lead to the Bucks playing uh, either Giannis at the four, Jabari at the three, or vice versa, or Giannis moving to the center position in certain lineups so that Jabari can come in, and then maybe John Henson goes out. Um, so we'll have to see how Joe Prunty decides to play that. But you would expect you know, Giannis to get 40-plus. Middleton's got 40-plus, like, you know, 30-some-odd you know, all year. He was second in the league in total minutes behind only LeBron. Uh, right. so, he, so he's going to get minutes. I mean, they trust him. Uh, they, they know what he can do uh, at, at both ends. Um, and then Bledsoe, obviously, is going to get some big minutes. The, the other two spots in the starting lineup are more questionable. Um, Joe Prunty's been going with Tony Snell as a starter, um, you know, because of his, you know, matchup ability uh, and versatility on defense, along with his his three point shooting. Though he's Snell's been in a slump for a little while recently, getting him back going uh, would be huge for the Bucks, especially considering the Celtics uh, gave up the lowest three point percentage to their opponents this season at 33.9 percent. Which obviously some of that is luck, but when you do it over the course of a season. Um, I feel like the luck factor goes down. It's just something you do. Um, you can test. You you run guys off the line. You, you get you bait them into you know quick trigger shots that maybe aren't the best um, and, and things like that. Uh, but Snell, if if he's struggling at all, um, or you know if he's not effective, 
obviously you have then Brogdon, you have Parker, you have Delhi, uh, Shabazz Muhammad, you have all these different guys that you can bring in. It's Sterling Brown, uh, all these guys that you can bring in at that two guard spot or even, you know, say, you know, maybe even a three guard spot or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, basketball's positionless now, Gary, you know that. Right. Uh, uh, but you can, right. you can bring anybody in for Snell and, uh, and they, they have that depth. Uh, I would expect that, that Brogdon would be able to get uh, a good number of minutes if he's back to uh, the form that we would expect him to be at, or and if he can get back into that rhythm and build that chemistry with his teammates quickly, uh, if he can be effective um, because of, of what he can do on the defensive end uh, in terms of matching up and, and playing you know tough defense. Um, he, there's never been a question with his effort. Uh, sometimes his, you know, things like lateral quickness and and, and things like that might might be questioned with him, but I don't think his effort is ever questioned. Um, you know, I, I I hesitate to to assume that Brandon Jennings will get much run. Uh, obviously, the the rotation usually tightens during the playoffs, and when you have options like Brogdon and, and Del Vadova, especially with Delhi being somebody who's you know, played at the highest level before and won at the highest level before. Uh, and he's somebody who everyone looks to um, as a veteran leader, uh, especially during playoff times because he's been there before. Um, he, you know, Jennings just might not have, he might be knocked so far down the the rotation that it'll be hard to find him minutes because I, I doubt the Bucks go further than, you know, nine, maybe ten deep in any of these games. You know, barring a, a blowout, and, and obviously, you know, it's nice to be healthy. Uh, but now, when you are healthy, you have to figure out who you're going to leave inactive. And so, you have 13 guys that can be active, and two need to be inactive. I would assume, right. I would assume, one of those inactives would be DJ Wilson. He's been inactive for most of the season, uh, and he really doesn't have a place in the rotation at all. So that's one. But then the question is, you know, who's that second guy who you're going to say, you know? It, and obviously can change each game, but who's that second guy? You know, could it be Brandon Jennings? You know, for some games, just because, you know, they have so much depth at that one two guard position that there's just not going to be enough room for him. He doesn't offer enough of a different look from other guys that he they think he'd be effective. You know, could it be Shabazz Muhammad? Uh, could it be Thon Maker? I mean, if they don't think that that Thon could be um, impactful, if they think that you know they just need to have Two bigs, you know, you know, they just need to maybe use Henson and Zeller, and that Thon might not be that guy. I, I don't think so. I, I think Thon would probably be active for the whole series, just you know, in case um, because of his uh, three-point shooting and his his motor. Um, but you never know. These are tough decisions for Joe Prunty as to how he wants to handle each game and and how he wants to handle his rotation. Um, he he loves to say that everyone needs to be ready. I think it's the thing that he's said the most uh, since since he uh, he jumped into the head coach position a couple months ago. Um, but he he definitely is in a position that I think he, as hard as it is, I think he enjoys the the position he's in because he has all the options at his disposal. That, you know, you mentioned Joe. Let's talk about Joe Prunty for a second, Matt. He's uh, you've been around him for two seasons now. He's uh, or even more because you helped old Charles uh, Gardner, you know, before you took the beat over full time. He, he's been a head coach basically now with the Bucks for three months. Um, I like him. I think he's a smart guy. I, uh, he definitely has a good basketball pedigree. Uh, but I think we could, it's probably safe to assume if he doesn't win a playoff series, it, it'd be tough to bring him back as head coach. But what if he does, you know, what if he does go into this second round or 
you know, heaven forbid, even you know, goes farther than that. What do you uh, what do you like about him, and what do you think his chances are to be back next year on the on the number one seat on the Bucks bench? You know, I, I think the one thing that everybody would point to with uh, with Joe Prunty is that he he works incredibly hard. Uh, mm-hmm. Every person we've talked to, every person who knows him, uh, just says he's very meticulous. You know, he doesn't let anything, you know, get past him. You see him in the locker room writing things on the board, uh, just to make sure everybody knows the game plan and, and knows what they're trying to do. Um, you know, he he uh, eats, sleeps, and breathes basketball, so he's tr- he's trying to to get the guys ready as best he can and and, and cover all his bases. Um, you know, and, and while he's a, a new head coach you know you mentioned he has a pretty good pedigree I mean he's been in the league for 22 years he was uh, he's been in the playoffs about 17 times as an assistant or you know on, while on a staff for a different team or even the Bucks too he's, uh, he's been part of the, the playoff runs since Jason Kidd got there um you know, and he's won two championships with the O three Spurs and the O five Spurs as an assistant coach. So he's he's kind of he's been around the block. He, he knows what the playoffs are like. Um, you know, but so far, you know, since he since he took over the Bucks, you know, they have a winning record. Uh, that's true. Um, but there there hasn't never been hugely significant changes uh, to fully tap into the potential of this lineup. And, and the overwhelming expectation is that. You know when the Bucks, um, you know the Bucks obviously have said many times publicly uh, that they are not conducting a search. They're not actively searching for a head coach. They have a head coach, and uh, John Horst told me back in January that they are going to be true to to Joe Prunty. They are going to. They told him this is his team. You know all the way to the end of the season. And so whether that is at the end of the first round, second round, any time after that, he's not going anywhere. And obviously now, you know, things start to get a little complicated as other teams around the league have fired head coaches and are starting to conduct their searches, you know, teams that are out of the playoff picture. And, mm-hmm. you know, you hear names of, you know, like, you know, uh, from Atlanta, yeah, Coach Budenholzer, he's, you know, the Hawks gave uh, consent to allow him to go interview in Phoenix. And so, you know, the the, the coaching carousel is moving, uh, but the Bucks, you know, they, they are firm in what they have said they're going to do that you know obviously like any like any business especially a business that is in, in demand um you know they're going to receive interest you know people are going to send them you know if, if there's an opening or a possible opening at a at a company people send resumes people who are interested people who want to be there uh you know and that's what your HR department does at any company. They take in the resumes, they look them over, they file them, and, and they say, "Okay, thank you, we'll consider this." You know, it doesn't that's not an active search. That's just you know keeping an you know, an open door and and keeping options open. And that's what the Bucks, you know, they've been doing. I mean, we know that you know this is going to be a coveted job if and when it comes open. Um, you know, because of the talent that they have and the new arena and, you know, just the ability to coach a ready-made um, playoff team w- with a top-five superstar. Um, so, you know... Who wouldn't want that, right? Yeah, I mean, serious, yeah. I mean seriously, if you're, you know, it's, it's a low-risk proposition in the sense that you're not being asked to, uh, you know, take a, a, a team from the depths of the, of the standings and build something out of nothing. Like you're trying to take something that's already there and just kind of mold it and shape it, you know, into what it everyone believes it can be. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that you know, with Joe Prunty, I mean, if, if they if they go deeper into the playoffs, obviously that, obviously that delays any type of coaching search uh, 
you know, for as long as they're in the playoffs, which, you know, you also wonder if the coaching market stalls out um, because coaches might be waiting for a chance at interviewing with the Bucks. You know, if, if you're a coach and, and, you know, say you're a Mike Budenholzer, for example, um, mm-hmm. you know, you might be like, well, you know, the Suns are interesting and they're offering me this, but like, I, I gotta be interested in hearing what the Bucks have. You know, that, that, you know, so, you know, or maybe, you know, there are back channels and, and, you know, behind the scenes things where it's like, okay, well, you probably wouldn't get this or you would, or maybe, if we don't know. I mean, those things aren't going to see the light of day. Um, you know, so I, I'm interested to see how all that, how all that continues to progress. Um, I, I don't think the chances are high for Joe Prunty to stay. I, I think that he is well respected, uh, on the team and, you know, in the league. Um, but when you're in the position, like the Bucks are, where you need to hit a home run with your next coach. Um, you need to, you know, maximize this talent. You need to demonstrate to your fans uh, and to your players, you know, including uh, Giannis, that they have the capability of winning at, at the highest levels. Um, you you need to get somebody who can do that. And you know, I, I don't. At the very least, you need to open up a real search, you know, and you can include Joe Prunty's name in that search. Let him uh, apply for the long-term job just like everyone else, but you have to at least open it up to see what kind of interest and what kind of people uh, come your way uh, and, and figure out, you know, okay, what what pool do we have to choose from? Because uh, I think that's the, the most sensible thing to do. <clears throat> Uh, absolutely, you're right about that. Um, just before we uh, let you go, I know you've got a flight to catch, Matt, but let's let's touch on Jabari Parker just for a second. He was he did a radio interview the other day and said some really interesting things about uh, contracts and his fit in Milwaukee. I, I don't think there's any doubt that he wants to be in Milwaukee. He's said it all along that he loves Milwaukee, wants to be here. Um, the question is, will he be here? Um, apparently, a contract offer was made. It sounds like. Um, and not close to what he was hoping for or wanting. Um, where do you see him fit? I mean, he was going to be the man when they drafted him, and because of injuries and because of Giannis's um, progression and what he's become, um, Giannis is the man. And, and can Jabari be a, a number two for a number of years in Milwaukee? Is he going to be happy doing that? Where do you see him going from here? You know, I, I think it's all very interesting um, because. Obviously, the the first report, I, I believe it was from Zach Lowe from ESPN back in February, um, was that the Bucks had pre- had been prepared to offer him three years, fifty four million, uh, during you know back this fall during the window where he could be extended. Um, you know, and so obviously people run with that and go with that. Um, you know, but uh, the the verbiage of of being prepared to offer doesn't necessarily mean that was offered. You know, we're not privy to um, the offers or the uh, discussions that that happened between uh, Jabari's uh, representative, you know, Mark Bartlestein, and uh, and the Bucks. You know, so we don't know exactly what happened. You know, at, at the time, I know I talked to to Mark Bartlestein. I've talked to you know members of the Bucks front office, and everyone said that you know they they wish they could come to an agreement. Um, but both sides, you know. Had had very positive talks. They were amicable, um, and that they'll, they'll continue to work together. And they they you know the the Bucks still continue to value Jabari Parker, and they they want to find a way to keep him in Milwaukee. Um, but you you wonder you know where the hang up was because um, obviously in, in multiple talks with Jabari this season, it seemed like things weren't as as 
perfect and amicable as you know as the Bucks and uh, as well as his agent as well that made them you know look you know he he said multiple times you know to me and I, I've written this before that you know that contract extension period was was difficult for him and yeah. and you know he didn't necessarily feel the love he didn't necessarily you know feel like things were going the way he wanted them to um, and you're right like when they drafted him like Giannis wasn't Giannis yet like he he was still you know. Uh, a, a rising player in the league. He wasn't anywhere close to an all-star game at that point. Um, he was still uh, a lot of... He was just a ball of potential still. And Jabari was supposed to come in, number two draft pick, you know, supposed to come in and immediately have an effect, you know, be the man. Um, and he and Giannis were, were the two guys that the team was building around. Like That was, that was them. And then Jabari gets hurt. Giannis makes this meteoric rise to becoming one of the best players in the NBA. Jabari gets hurt again. You know, Giannis is, is still on the way up. I mean, I, I don't know when Giannis will stop being on the way up. And, <laughs> and it's a, a very different atmosphere than what he might have expected. And, you know, he was asked on this uh, Milwaukee basketball hour the other day, um, you know, about his contract situation. And he's like, you know, okay. Like, and, and the lead into this was, you know, just one of the hosts saying, that you know, restricted free agency doesn't seem very fair, you know, for a player just because you know the team can the, the player has no choice of what happens and the, the team can let it go to market if the market dictates that this player is not going to get paid very much and they don't get paid very much if the market if someone makes an offer that you know the team can choose to to match it and then you're back at a team that maybe you know just wanted to get you for the for, for bottom dollar or anything like that and you know Jabari basically said that you know they have to be professional they have to do their thing uh, you know it's, it's, it's a business um, you know and he said that he knows that Milwaukee's not a huge target for free agents and he was willing to take that into consideration he's made it home um, and he said when it come, this is a quote here he said when it comes to a player like myself I wasn't desiring the max I just wanted security that's all I wanted but then I got an offer that was not what I wanted it was not fair uh, and so then, you know, there was some, some conversation in there, and they asked, hey, look, like, he has been reported um, that they'd offer three years, $54 million. That's like $18 million a year. And Parker's response was, shoot, I, I wish. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, so it'll be interesting because, you know, maybe maybe the, that offer was never made. Maybe, you know, I, you don't doubt Zach Lowe's reporting. He's one of the best reporters uh, that, that the NBA has. And so maybe they were prepared to make that offer, but for whatever reason, that offer was not made. Uh, we don't know exactly everything about those discussions. And so uh, on Jabari's end, he's like, hey, they never offered me that. Um, so, you know, it, it's kind of a tangled web. And uh, this is going to be a, a story or storyline that we're following into this summer, uh, all during free agency, until there finally comes a resolution. And I think once there's a resolution to, uh, to the situation, whether Jabari's in Milwaukee or not, which, again, you know, everything I've heard indicates that the team has a definite interest in keeping him uh, and re-signing him. Um, but, you know, that'll come down to uh, the dollars and cents of it all uh, over the course of, of free agency and, and how they can make that work with their roster. Um, you know, but we're going to be following this for a while. This isn't going away. And maybe once it, it gets resolved, maybe we'll start to get some light shed on a few of the uh, behind-the-scenes aspects that have been, um, you know, that that obviously at this point it's not necessarily um, you know beneficial for either side to talk about. 
Yeah, sorry, Matt. No off season for you. <laughs> you know, yeah, stuff to follow this summer. Yeah, we got uh, we got uh, possibly a new coach. We got the new arena. We got Jabari's uh, free agency, and now the Bucks have a draft pick. So I guess I have to like, pay attention to the draft now. Just uh, a couple things. Don't don't plan on a on a on a ten week vacation. Let's put it that way. Well, I, I've got a one week vacation planned, and I, I you know, and talking to some uh, you know, talking to Eric Name of ESPN Milwaukee uh, yesterday. It's like, oh yeah, hundred percent. What whatever's going to happen, the biggest thing that can happen, it's going to happen while I'm gone. Of course. That, that's, just, of course. That's, that's just how it works. You try and plan it the Always. best you can. Try to plan for a time that's kind of out of the way, that isn't during summer league, not early in, in free agency, and you know, whatever. It's just going to be it's going to be what it is, and, and that's kind of what we sign up for in covering sports, right, Gary? That's right. You got it. Hey, Matt, great talking to you as always. Uh, I know you've got to pack and, and catch a flight. Um, looking forward to this series, and I'll, I'll be at all the home games with you. Uh, no deadline pressure tomorrow, noon game, right? So uh, should be good. And um, looking forward to your coverage and joining you uh, at the home games. All right, yeah, looking forward to that, Gary. And for everybody else, uh, you can definitely keep up with, you know, all our podcasts, all our coverage of uh, of the playoffs and beyond into this summer. It's all at jsonline.com/bucks. And when it comes to the podcast, you, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Google Play, Stitcher, uh, basically anywhere you get podcasts. So uh, we appreciate you all following along so far this season. We hope to get at least another podcast going uh, during this series. We'll see how long the playoff goes uh, to determine how many more podcasts we do. Uh, But until the next time, uh, thanks for listening.